This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to the Mike Francesa Podcast as we make the transition from football to baseball and everything else as we move towards uh, later February and into uh, happily into spring, which is not that far away now, uh, just weeks away. So, And the weather in New York has been very, very mild, so maybe we'll get get lucky here and get a mild transition into the uh, spring for this season and obviously a highly anticipated baseball season, all the NCAA tournament stuff coming up. And remember, you can get for all your wagering needs, whatever you're looking for, you just go to Bet Rivers in New York and New Jersey, play Sugar House in Connecticut, and you can get this uh, podcast on the uh, Bet Rivers network and, of course, wherever you go to get your podcast fix on a daily basis. All right. Some emails, Mike Francis, podcast at gmail.com. Then we'll chat some baseball with Bobby Valentine, Chris from Jersey, obviously happy with the Mets pitching, but they still haven't addressed their need for one more bat. What do you think? I think, listen, they need one more bat. I think the Mets might take a look and see what they can get out of combinations that include Escobar at third base, see how much they get out of the guys they have here and then still go shopping in season for a bat. They can do that. They all won bat away. I really believe last year it was not stated enough how much the injury to Marte hurt them. Now, their big two pitchers who they relied heavily on did not come through at the end of the season. Not in the Braves series, not in the playoffs. And that hurt them, and that's what they were built around. They were built around those two getting the job done. They didn't. But missing Marte was a very, very big key for them in the offense. A very big key. He was an integral part of what they did. Neil from Connecticut, the Yankees haven't made a dent in trying to compete with the Astros. I just don't uh, get how they are content with status quo. The The Yankees are fooling themselves. They have not caught up to the Astros. And what they have failed to grasp is how well the Astros have replaced parts with young stars, both in the lineup and in the rotation. And that is critical. You have to do that. The Yankees haven't done that. They haven't found the level of young players You know, last year, Altuve didn't hit for a lot of the playoffs, and they were missing other key guys, and it didn't matter because their young guys were great. And their young pitchers were tremendous. And they are still better than the Yankees. I'm sorry, they just are. Yankees fool themselves if they think they've closed the gap with the Astros. They haven't. The Yankees were a playoff team. We all know that. I would hope with the, you know, with the money they spend and the players they have, they should be a playoff team. But... Have they closed the gap on the Astros? In my mind, they have not. 
Can you or anyone else explain how Jeff Kent, not connected to steroids at all, hasn't been voted into the Hall of Fame? This Kent thing as we did a thing with Klecko, and for many years that was the debate. How is Klecko not in the Hall of Fame? And there was really not a good really not a good argument against him being in the Hall of Fame. Had nothing to do with football, anyway. Because not only did he dominate, but if you listen to the other top players, the top linemen, great linemen, Munoz, Stevenson, Delama Law, they raved about how Klecko was as good as anybody they ever played against. When Anthony Munoz, who was one of the greatest offensive linemen in the history of the sport, so was Dwight Stevenson. At center, one of the greatest players of all time. When they say, I never played against a player better than Klecko, that's an incredible statement. And it took him a long time. Was Kent one of nature's noblemen? No, he was a sour, cranky, miserable person. Should that keep him out of the Hall of Fame? It shouldn't. Sometimes it does. Are you now comfortable with Diaz closing after the monster year? Listen, Diaz shut me up last year. I have nothing to say about Diaz right now. Diaz, I was wrong about Diaz. He was right. I I have nothing to say. His year was so good last year, I have no comment. He shut me up. I completely agree he shut me up. Uh, There's nothing I can say. That's how good he was last year. He was overpowering. He was overpowering the entire year. He never fell off. He was wonderful. And he overcame what was a nightmarish first season, and I didn't think he would. So I was wrong about Diaz, and uh, kudos to him. I, I can't say anything else. There's no way I can do it. Diaz was that good. Did you ever think Jeter would get into broadcasting? I was shocked. Uh, I am surprised. I've always felt that Jeter's eye, like Michael Jordan, like LeBron James, like Tom Brady, I always thought Jeter's eye was clearly towards becoming an owner. I still think it is. Now, I don't know exactly what his role is going to be. I saw him. The first I heard of this was when I saw them. I actually was in the room when A-Rod was up there, and they announced that he was going to be part of Fox next year. I did not hear what he's doing and how much he's doing. I don't know. But uh, am I surprised that he became a broadcaster? Yes, very much so. Very much so. I did not think he would become a broadcaster. I didn't think he had the temperament for it. I didn't think he had the personality for it. I am very surprised, I have to admit. So from that standpoint, I would say that I'm extremely surprised about Jeter, yes. I was a little surprised about Ava, but not totally. But I was very surprised about Jeter. I really was. You know, one thing I wanted to mention as an aside, I thought, and considering they both were doing their first Super Bowl, I thought Burkhart and Olsen had a very good Super Bowl. I thought they did a good job. Now, I thought the production for the game was tedious. I thought from six to when they kicked the game, the NFL has added so much TV production and field production that it's gotten to the point of being ridiculous. Next year, I'll just start tuning in at 7 o'clock because it's just tedious, all right? Um, 
it was it was just overdone, way overdone. And the NFL has to realize this is still a football game and worry about the football game and the football conditions. You know, they will not live down what happened with that field. That field was an utter disgrace. And the NFL should be ashamed of itself with all the money they put into this event and how much they catered to this event on every different nuance for them to put a field like that for the Super Bowl. They would have been better off playing in zero temperatures in Soldier Field than they would have for that game. That's how bad it was. Um, when we come back, we'll chat some baseball with Bobby Valentine. You're listening to the Mike Francesa podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. All right. We are getting later into February uh, here in New York. The weather has actually been very mild. We've been blessed. Let me knock on wood because uh, if we can get to March, I always feel we beat the snow. Today it's 55 degrees. Um, because even if you get a snowstorm in March, it's a one-day wonder. It's not on the ground. What you hate is when it's on the ground for like and frozen for six weeks and it's slushy and messy and everything else. That That's awful. We're not going to have that kind of winter, thankfully. Um, when it's on your roof and it stays up on your roof for, you know, two months and it freezes, oh, that's a nightmare. You get ice damming on your roof. Oh, it's just terrible. Terrible. Um, but, hey, it looks like it's not going to be that kind of winter. looks like we're going to slide into baseball season very smoothly. And it's a little different year because there's a lot of changes. And obviously, hope's uh, springing eternal for the Yankees and the Mets to maybe get to a World Series. The Mets have opened the coffers. Their owner has made no friends by just spending money like a drunken sailor, but you knew he was going to do that. And we welcome in Bobby Valentine. Bobby, welcome. How are you? Wow, what a what an intro from a drunken sailor to Bobby Valentine. I like that. <laughs> well, you know, let's start <laughs> there, Bobby, because he has basically now, when he came in, he got the cautionary speech about how we don't want one guy spending blindly and just burying everybody else. He could care less. He is gone to that extent, and he doesn't care who he annoys with this now. It's going to be very interesting to see how well, baseball reacts to that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the other side of town used to have the guy who did that. And now uh, Flushing has the guy who's doing that. You know, the antitrust laws say that these teams are not supposed to collude. They're not supposed to work together. They're supposed to work against each other for one team to win and everyone else uh, to to you know, cry in their beer. And uh, I think Steve's playing along those rules. I think there's been a, a lot of uh, years where, you know, regulations have been kind of internally accepted uh, by the group. And now you got a guy or two. How about San Diego? Yep. I mean, San Diego is trying to to be the uh, the New York Mets of the West with the L.A. Dodgers kind of, uh, sitting back and not spending a lot, and San Diego's just writing checks and getting players um, uh, like the Mets or even in in higher fashion. All right, rule changes, amendments, uh, points of emphasis this year. Which ones do you think the fans should really pay attention to? Well, you know, this idea of a pitch clock will be um, – uh, really interesting to see who can adjust 
and who cannot adjust. You know, great athletes, the one thing that they do best is adjust. But uh, many of them are also characters of, of habit where they have to do certain things. You know, young players, Mike, as you well know, uh, get taught, you know, before you get into the batter's box, you have to have a routine so that when you get into the batter's box, you're you're there where you belong. And pitchers would have routines before they would pitch a pitch, you know, to one, two, three, four. Well, it's a little different now. You've got to get in, and what you're going to see pitchers do is they're going to get on the mound with that clock ready to go. And when they get ready on the mound, the hitter has to get in the box. And so now the clock is ticking away and the hitter's in the box. He doesn't know when the pitcher's going to pitch and the pitcher knows when he's going to pitch. And I think they'll wait until that last second and keep that guy standing there frozen without move ability to move out of the box and then try to sneak it in on their hands or drop one in the dirt. It's going to be interesting to see how people adjust, but that's fun. And then, you know, the base situation is interesting in that it's a bigger base and bigger could be good and bigger could be bad because again, these guys are creatures of habit. They've been running these bases for years and they've been 17 inch bases and they hit the corners and they, and they you guys spend a lot of time teaching the, guys the, how to the, cut those bases. You spend a lot of yeah. time doing it. Right, Mike. And now it's a different angle. Now everything changes with the bigger base. So we'll see. I think you're going to see guys tripping. You're going to see guys missing bases. Uh, hopefully you're not going to see much injury, but it's going to take some getting used to believe it or not. Uh, in running these bases. Bobby, do you think baseball should be involved in legislating whether teams should be allowed to overshift? Should it be something baseball and the hitters sort out themselves with their own talents? You were a very good hitter who could use the entire field, okay? An injury brought you down, but people should realize you, I think, would have been a future batting champion. That kind of hitter can use the whole field. Other pull hitters don't want to use the whole field. Do you think they should be involved in such things or not in such things? Well, um, you know, it just wasn't working uh, internally. It, the hitters weren't um, negating the shift, and it got to be a real boring game. You know, guys would hit the ball really hard, and that's what you're supposed to do when you get to the plate, and there'll be someone standing out in the outfield to catch it, and that was an infielder who was in the outfield. So, um, you know, like they they did some rule changes in basketball to take away some, some of the defenses that could be made, and they've done it in football to take away some of the defenses that you could use. And, and I guess this is the only way to – uh, bring the game back. You know, the, the hitters weren't doing it. The agents weren't allowing them to. The The front offices were say, forget about the single, try to hit a home run every time you get up there. And I don't know that that's going to change so much. I think guys are still going to try to hit home runs, but I think there'll be more uh, well-hit balls that become hits rather than become outs because of uh, the analytics. All right. Uh, you were a thinker in the bull and, and a guy who liked to tinker in the dugout. Um, <laughs> you have all winter to think about this. How does a smart manager take advantage of these new rules? Well, he's really got to understand the, um, 
the throw to first routine. He's got to he's got to have his pitchers um, practicing in spring training a good pickoff move, something that's actually real that um, will keep the runner uh, at ease at first base. And the so balk is going to be a point a of emphasis good too. Pickoff move. And the balk's going to be a point of emphasis. They said. Oh yeah, so you know you, you you can't cheat, so you're gonna have to practice. You're gonna have to, and pitchers hate to do this. Uh, I I used to have a whole session, twenty minute sessions. Go down, all pitchers on one field with a coach. Work on your pickoff moves. I mean, they they'd rather be uh, playing tiddlywinks than working on their pickoff move. Uh, but now I think it's going to take a major emphasis, and the the teams that stress it early are going to get a competitive advantage early in the season where they will look like they know what they're doing and uh, confuse the other hitter. And and um, I think that's, that's the thing you have to take advantage of. Um, as far as the pitch clock, I think that each organization is going to have, and maybe even each player, but I think each organization is going to have their way of dealing with the pitch clock from the offensive side, getting into the box and from the defensive side of, of making the pitch, uh, when to do it and, and, uh, how to, you know, how to create a competitive advantage. It's, it's going to be interesting, going to be a lot of boring time in spring training. And then Mike, a lot of problem with spring training is a lot of these teams are disjointed because of the, uh, world baseball yep. classic. Yep. So there's going to be guys away from the team who aren't going to really get into the team's philosophy uh, as much as you'd like them to. And uh, that might cause a problem early in the season also. Bobby, you know, everyone's chasing the Astros uh, and looking to see how they close the gap. But what I think it doesn't get enough attention is that what the Astros have been great at is developing young stars to replace the pieces they had to replace. They didn't just find guys or go out and buy guys. They developed young, dynamic players. Other teams like the Yankees haven't done that. That's a great point, Mike. And, um, you know, sometimes that's a matter of luck. You know, you have that guy you're developing and he gets hurt as a young player, uh, you know, or gets married and distracted somehow or, or whatever it might be. Um, but the Astros have been lucky, you know, to have that pain you step in and become an MVP of the World Series, yep. replacing Correa, uh, who's an, an Tuck is a wonderful all-star. player. They have right? the young slugger, and they have some great young pitchers. Yeah. Yeah, they, they allowed Verlander to leave, and I don't think they're going to miss a beat. So it, it is a multifaceted uh, organizational uh, um, requirement to not only sign guys who have already proven to be good, but also develop guys who have the talent and, and can, in fact, in fact be uh, impact players. It's, it's a real challenge uh, dealing with people the way these organizations are doing it. And you say the Yankees haven't done it. You know, the Mets tried to do it, and then they signed all these guys who came up through their organization. And, and I'm not sure – you know, about the money spent on guys like Nemo and McNeil and now Alonzo. I mean, they're spending a lot of money on homegrown talent. I don't think, to be honest with you, I don't think the 
Yankees or the Mets are that vastly improved. I really, I really don't. I think they went out and signed their own guys, but I don't think they're vastly improved. And were you surprised DeGrom left, or did you think he would leave? Uh, I was surprised that he left. Um, you know, knowing, they knew him as well as anyone. He knew them. Um, you know, that was something that it seemed they were nurturing along so that they could have him for – you know, it's five, six, seven years, whatever. And he he flew to Coop, and I was very surprised. Right now, we're talking with Bobby Valentine. Uh, the odds, as we speak, in late February, the Astros are the favorites at six to one. The Yankees are six and a half to one. The Dodgers are seven and a half to one. The Mets are seven and a half to one. And more money's been bet on the Mets so far. As a matter of fact, up to twenty five percent of the money bet has been bet on the Mets uh, so far. Uh, San Diego is 10 to 1, Atlanta's 10 to 1, and then you have Philly, Toronto, Seattle, and then Tampa. That's the rounding out uh, the top 10. Um, it's still the Astros. The Yankees and Mets are right there. Obviously, the Dodgers. You talked about the Padres and their spending ways. But, you know, the one thing about the Mets, they are in an incredible division with Atlanta and Philly. Those teams are tremendous teams. Yeah, and they catch a little break in that it's a balanced schedule this year, yep. so you're not playing, you know, within the division uh, 19 times. That like was going to be my to, next question. How that? How yeah. how does that? How would that impact your preparation and your thoughts on the season? Well, if the big guys with the Mets stay healthy, um, I think not seeing them often uh, is an advantage to the Mets. You know that they can. They could go into Detroit and, you know, have a Scherzer and a, and a uh, Verlander uh, going back to back, and they're only going to see them one time. They might be able to get in and out of there with uh, a lot of zeros put up on, on the scoreboard. But um, uh, I, I'm not sure that the Mets' offense is, is what it needs to be to actually, uh, you know, play all of these uh, unbalanced teams because there's – there's good teams out West and they're going to have to, you know, play them just as um, everybody else. And, and uh, the Yankees, uh, I think are the same. I, I agree with you, Mike. I don't think either one of those teams are so much improved that they should be, you know, uh, touted and, and thought I agree. Of as being a, I, a slam I think dunk what they World did was Series they signed there. the guys they needed to sign. They saw, and the Yankees still have big question marks, third base, left field. I mean, they still have big shortstop. They still have big question marks they have to answer. I think they should have resigned Rizzo. I think Rizzo is a very important guy on the team. Obviously, they were going to resign Judge. But last year, the Mets, if it didn't happen with Alonzo and, and Lindor, it didn't happen at all. And I'll tell you what I thought hurt the Mets dramatically that didn't get enough attention was missing Marte in the big games. He, he was a big cog in their offense last year. He was, and now he's a year older, you know, and to expect that, well, he's, he won't be hurt and he's going to come back and he's going to be that same force. I think they missed the opportunity where he was having a career year and then uh, left the, left the lineup. And, you know, there's a chance that he could take a step backward. Yep. And I tell you, the Phillies, I think, and the Braves are both very, very talented. Well, the Braves, you know, they're they're thinking about uh, Soroka coming back, and and their pitching is just phenomenal. Their bullpen is real good. 
Uh, you talk about developing young players. They've done that. Now, for the first time in a long time, they have a little discontent in their clubhouse. They've never heard of this such a thing with the Atlanta Braves, but to have Acuna think that he should be a Yankee rather than a Brave and that his contract isn't what he thought it was going to be uh, when he woke up the next morning, um, you know, is an interesting scenario. And, um I'd like to see how that plays out, but the Braves are really good. I think the Braves should be favored uh, in the National League uh, because that, that's a really good squad. And you think San Diego has closed the gap on the, on the Dodgers? Yeah, I think the Dodgers' complacency this, this winter is going to, um, you know, kind of give them it's a carryover of uh, this isn't the year for us, even though the Dodgers – I mean, they they win all the time. Yet San Diego right now is is going to be a major challenge to uh, anything the Dodgers hope to do at the end of the season. And uh, I I think that they're I think that they should be the favorite to win the National League West. What about one of your old teams, uh, the Texas Rangers? Wow, much really vastly improved. Talking about spending, um, you know when when. They got Degrom in a uniform. All of a sudden, an exclamation mark after after their name that they're real. And uh, <clears throat> you know, the year before, they they signed Seager, who didn't have a great year last year as a shortstop, but he's really a great player. Probably the guy who was impacted the most by this this uh, shift in that he's a left-handed hitter who really loves to pull the ball, and he hit the ball hard against the Angels, a game, games that I was watching often. And, um, you know, that outfielder, infielder was out there to take a hit away from him. That won't be there this year. I think that, you know, Corey Seager uh, has a chance of being up there in the MVP voting. One last thing, and we'll obviously have plenty of time to chat before the season starts with Bobby Valentine all year on the, on our podcast. Bobby, when you went to spring training as a manager, what was the – and you had a, let's say, a team that was, you know, like the Mets or the Yankees, a contending team. What were you trying to accomplish in spring training? What was your biggest goal? Was it just get your pitches ready or was it something more? Well, I, I like to see how the teams within the team started to develop, um, you know, how that catch the catching staff and the pitching staff were working, how the bullpen were working together to understand what their roles were going to be, how the uh, infielders and outfielders, you know, the DP combos and the outfielders that have to run into each other in the gap, how all of those those little teams within the teams started to develop so that, uh, you know, as the season progressed, the big team pitcher could uh, become more, uh, more of the main concern because all of those teams within the team were all working properly. Well, listen, we'll chat. Good to have you back. Before you know it, baseball will be here, so we'll be chatting. So thanks very much, Bobby. Great being with you, Mike. Thank you, Bob. Stay healthy. Bobby Valentine. And remember, for all of your wagering needs, it's Bet Rivers in New York and New Jersey. Play Sugar House in Connecticut. And we'll see you down the road. Thanks for listening to the Mike Francesa podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Hey, it's Mike Miss here. What a time to be a Philly sports fan. And you can share the excitement with me each week. 
on the Mike Missanelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Listen and subscribe to the Mike Missanelli podcast today, wherever you get your podcasts.